What is up, sports fans? This is Come At Me Bro, episode 53. I am one of your hosts, Joey, joined alongside Drew. Football in February. And Tyler. Where's my money, McDermott? I want my money. I paid your money. I am tired of waiting around. <laughs> you have your money. What money? Where's, what's what, your money not delivered it? to you? Is he going to come break your ankles? Was it, what's was the it money? a check? I, I expected check or cash. Oh, it was neither. How it about was the Bitcoin? same way you paid. How did I pay? Bitcoin. Well, I guess you paid that way two years ago. No, it was not Bitcoin. Surprisingly enough, for Fantasy Football League, does not run that pricey. Lame. How did I pay? Why even play I paid him? a check. I believe you did pay in cash this year, actually. Uh, it got paid to your wife's Venmo account. Are you serious? She didn't even tell me. <laughs> I, <laughs> did she I come home with any new clothes? <laughs> did you get McDermott's money? Did McDermott Venmo you? She's shaking her head saying no. She she deleted Venmo. But wait, for real? Uh, well, it's you sitting what? in her Venmo account. <laughs> have to re-download to it, <laughs> deposit it to so her My money's gone, is that what you're saying? delete it again. <laughs> my money is gone. <laughs> It was a donation to charity. How much money are for we talking listener, here? For our listeners out there. It was there. not very much. He didn't win first. Yeah. First takes home most of the money. I think, what were you, second, Ty? I was second. Yeah. Hey, man, I got mouths to feed. So this was I like 30 bucks to, or I something. Got, you hey, pay? I'd be upset about that disappearing too. Oh, my gosh. Listen, the NFL, full, the NFL season's over, and I expect my money in cash. Oh, that is staying in the recording for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so it's on her Venmo. If she can't get it, then we can figure something out, but that's currently where it resides. She has to re-download it. Freaking A. She can charge you a fee, I guess. So I won't ever say that again. <laughs> See that money again. <laughs> I'll write you a check next time. But for now, one that's not going to be writing a check is UNC for their win because Duke ended up taking home the big win in that NCAA game. So, Drew, break this down for us. We had a really tight game. There's a huge rivalry between Duke and UNC. It's been around for years in the ACC. It's such a fun game to watch, regardless of what these opponents are coming in as rating-wise. This was another classic. This is going to go down in history once again for this rivalry. Uh, absolutely. Um First of all, part of what makes it so interesting is that North Carolina is having such a, a bad year. There's no other way to put it. You know, they're below 500, or they were. They might be at 500 now. Um, they just haven't looked good. They've been missing Cole Anthony, which has been a huge part of their struggles. Um, and they've started to turn around a little bit. And so to see them come in and host Duke, who is a top-five team, and... Um, just, just play them to the wire. They had a big lead on them at one point for most of the game, actually. Uh, like the breakdown was that Duke had led for all of a minute and a half by the end of the game, um, but that's all they had to do to win. And to see it end like it did first, that just crazy uh, intentional missed free throw where he got his own rebound at the three and hit the shot to tie it and go to overtime. Ridiculous. And then in overtime to see the desperation shot uh, air ball and the guy just gather it up and put it back in at the buzzer to win. Like, insanity. Um, and then, of course, it wouldn't be a classic NCAA game without a TV Teddy with a ma and a massive no-call so he can be you know on TV and be talked about because he thinks he's important um, to just <laughs> add a little bit of controversy to the ending. But you... Whether you agree with that no call or not, the fact that Duke hit all those shots, they they definitely deserve to win that game. Tyler, did I mean, you get a chance to see this one? I saw the highlights. I I don't have ESPN, so I can't see anything. But um, in regards to sports, but the the craziest thing about this game is yes, the back and forth, 
and even before the game even started, the rivalry is there. But this, both teams were fifty and fifty. Um, by you know before this game, and they had the same number of points I, against I, each I other. I love that. Wow, it was that dead even. I mean, well, I mean that's that's over you know years and years and years and years. But like the number of times they play each other, and the funny and the crazy thing is this has not ha- this has happened before. And like eight years ago or been, ten like, years ago or know, something, right? Exactly. Yep. And so you know, it to for us to. Or not for us, but for them to go at each other and being what the score is, same they've scored the same amount of points against each other, had the same record. Um, it was definitely lived up to its hype going into overtime. Um, but just to get to overtime, that was the craziest part for me, where a guy literally, I don't know, maybe less than 10 seconds left, and he was named Jones or Drew. What it's was tra- his name? Trey Jones. Jones. Trey Jones. He. He threw it off the rim because they were down by two. He only had one free throw shot left. He threw it off the rim and miraculously, like, ended up right where the ball would be. Not directly in front of the free throw, but, like, on the right-hand side of the arc, about 27 feet out. Hit off the rim, goes 27 feet out. No one near near North Carolina can reach it. Only he, for some reason, knows where the ball is, and he's able to put up a shot to, to tie it, and they go to overtime. And... And then over time, proceeded to go just as crazy, where it was a, kind of a remake of an NC State shot back in the 1980s, um, where they beat Houston in the Final Four. Uh, that's what reminded me of the shot. Yeah, that Duke uh, scored. Yeah, and and when he says miraculously there, like it looks like he practices that play over and over, like he was so familiar with where the ball was going to go. I, I don't understand it. And then, yeah, overtime, you kind of had the exact opposite of the regular game. Duke actually built a lead in overtime, and then North Carolina came back to make it close there at the very end for more heroics. Insanity. Absolute insanity. I mean, the game in and of itself, but outside of those two plays, like you guys said, it was just so back and forth. It felt like it could be anyone's game. I think Carolina led with like four minutes left. So it was a very tight game back and forth, but Carolina did take that lead into the final moments. Duke just was able to find their way back as it feels like they do, or they have at least in this rivalry, time after time again. And again, that 50-50 is almost the craziest thing to me. The overtime score was great. The win in overtime was great. But the fact that they are 50-50 with the same amount of points scored, that's just mind-blowing. Yeah, well, it's, I feel like it's because most of the time these games end up being decided by one or two points. And so the fact I. I, I'm actually going to say that because the record was 50-50, I'm not surprised that the points were the same just because, you know, one they pretty much always win by one or two points, and so it's always going to balance each other out. Now, when we look at rivalries overall, we look at professional sports. The biggest rivalry there is obviously the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots with how close their records are on a regular basis. Sure. But now when we go to college sports, is this the biggest rivalry in college sports? Hmm. I don't I, I mean, yes, I think it's number one, but a close number two would be and this is really random. <laughs> it'd be Cincinnati and Xavier. In basketball. Really? They're only three and a half in basketball. They're only three and a half miles away from each other. Didn't they have a big fight like two and or three take, years ago? Yes. And they take it very seriously like you know, if, if Cincinnati people have extra tickets 
and Cincinnati Xavier, and for some reason they can't make it, they will not give it to the Xavier fans. Like you will be cheering for Cincinnati, you know, or we won't and then vice versa for Xavier. Yeah. It's it is all black, all red um, colors on either side. I think Cincinnati is black and red, and Xavier is kind of a bluish. But either way, you won't see any Xavier fans in Cincinnati. You won't see any Cincinnati fans in Xavier when it comes to the the rivalry between them. That is, I think, the next closest, in my opinion, when it comes to basketball. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at the rivalry itself, I feel like the intensity is there. But as far as like a national scale, do that many people view that as that intense of a rivalry? Like, I feel like Ohio State-Michigan is probably bigger, or Michigan-Michigan State. I was thinking Alabama like and Auburn, scale. Iron Bowl. Yep, that's a big one, too. Oh, I thought we were talking about just basketball. Oh, no, I'm just talking college sports. I mean, we can um, just talk basketball. With basketball, yeah, I, I actually really like Tyler because I'm be. pretty sure it was a couple years ago that there was a there was a big fight in the Xavier Cincinnati game, and a lot of guys got ejected. Yeah, I honestly can't think of a ton of other like big basketball ones that would top that. Because yeah, you have a lot of teams that have teams that want to beat them. Like I think of Tennessee and Kentucky, but. I don't know that Kentucky considers Tennessee a rival. Obviously, as a Tennessee fan, I think of Kentucky as our kind of our biggest test and our biggest right. our biggest foil. But it's notable when we beat them. It's not notable when they beat us. So it, there's a I think there's a I lot think, of teams like that in college basketball. It's hard to find a, a real rivalry that is back and forth quite like Duke UNC. Well, I think an out of conference one would be Kentucky. Yeah, Louisville. that's a good one. That would be a good out-of-conference one um, because they're not in the same conference, but they're pretty close and definitely don't like each other. In distance and definitely don't like each other. Definitely, you know, they, they bring, um, when the vampire's not there, Patino, whatever mm. his name is, um, <laughs> and Cheater Calipari's there. I mean, for, for a while it was going, it was going head-to-head. I mean, that's interesting to think about because a lot of the ones that are coming to mind for me are in the football area. Like, there's a lot of big college football rivalries that come to mind, but as far as basketball, I don't think anything comes close to a Duke-UNC for me. No, definitely not. I, I can't think of anything. Uh, and, hey, if you're one of the 47 people that are listening and you can think of one, please let us know. We, we seriously would love to hear it. Um, I'm sure there's some Look that we're that forgetting. Look at that plug from Drew. I like it. I like it. And if you guys want to let us know, do that on Twitter, at C-A-M-B Podcast. But, guys, college basketball was not the only thing happening this weekend. There were a ton of sports happening from hockey to basketball to the XFL. Boys, football has continued on. The Super Bowl is over, and football is continuing into February, into March, and then into April. I love this. I'm so excited for the XFL. It obviously did not do very well in its first iteration, which was what, Drew, like 2001? Something right around there, yeah. So like early 2000s. I got 2000s. the football of XFL. What's that? I, got, I, I remember having a football. <laughs> and it was like an XFL football. You would have like an XFL football. You definitely had a friend who had that <laughs> ball. Yeah, I had, I had it. It was definitely <laughs> weird, but it was, it was, it was almost like a rugby ball. If I remember yeah. it correctly. Yeah, it was, it was definitely but, more of a show than and less of a game. Well, was it like scripted? Was that confirmed yet? The original. Oh, I don't know if it was actually scripted. It just looked like a show, like as you watched it. Because I know a lot of people, like, because it was run by the same people who run, like, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation and Entertainment. So I, I think a lot of people came into it because you had the fake names. You had, like, the crazy plays. I think a lot of people thought it was scripted. I don't know if it was ever confirmed or denied at this point. 
But anyway, we are back. The XFL has returned. It's about <laughs> oh, quite a while later. We're now in 2020. It is back with new rules, new unique innovations. And I actually don't know when the first one ran, but I love the fact that the seasonal format that they chose here. They chose to run it right after the NFL. So when people start to get like that down, they start getting a little depressed if they're huge football fans. Now is the time to say, hey, football is still around. It's not the NFL. It's not quite what you know, but we're still going to bring some excitement as opposed to some of the other leagues we've seen like the AAF and Arena Football, where some of their stuff will collide with the NFL and try to take on that juggernaut of football. I think I think it's pretty funny because I yesterday I'm watching the XFL and my and my wife goes, "Is there a difference?" Like I'm like, "Do you think there's a difference between XFL and NFL?" She goes, "Yeah, it's just like they don't wear pads." I'm like, "No, they wear pads still <laughs> for the XFL. It's just some different rule changes." So I was like, "Yeah, okay. I mean, that that'd be that'd put a twist on it um, when it comes to the XFL." So. Uh, I think it's interesting. I'm what I'm curious about is you know I, I mean has you guys have you guys seen the games? Oh yeah, I actually went to the one live in DC. I watched. I watched oh, you one went to day. it. I did. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I'm jealous. So, so how do you? I like their opening kind of like. I guess they have to have scrimmages beforehand because some of the the highlights they have, like for today's game, for example, the the Vipers and the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Like they had the teams playing each other, and I guess maybe that's just practice. They did each do other scrimmages. Yeah, they yeah they did scrimmages because they they okay. wanted to test out the rules. Get... Yeah, and I think it was like okay. an unofficial preseason as well. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, because I mean, like they already have they already had film before you know the first game, and I was like, they must do some type of scrimmages or preseason or something. Um, hopefully, it's not scripted. Um, <laughs> but I I think. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm always, ex- I'm always interested to see how the rules have played. I haven't seen the extra points very well. I mean, it feels like no one can make an extra point um, greater than five yards. I don't even think one's been completed yet of ten yards, mm-hmm. if that of five yards, and only half of them have been completed by one yard. I feel like, um, so it's some very awkward scores if you're used to NFL. Yeah, I mean, the point after touchdown is definitely something to touch on. But before we get to that, before teams can soar, they have to go through the kickoff. So this is one of the cool things. I really like the XFL's kickoff. To give you guys a short little look at it for the listeners, the kicker kicks from the 30-yard line, and he must kick the ball in the air and in play between the opponent's 20-yard line and the end zone. The big change here is that they move the players forward, so they're lining up pretty much very close to one another. And then you have the punter farther back and the returner farther back. The big change here is one, they want the player to return the ball. That's something we don't see in the NFL very much anymore because of so many kickbacks, or touchbacks, I guess is what they're called. At the same point, when you look at the NFL, a lot of the case for that is the injuries because they have these players running 40 yards. They did like a 40-yard dash before they made contact with another player, and then because of that, you ended up with a bunch of injuries or concussions or the possibility of those injuries. So in making this change, the XFL is trying to make it so players still get to return the ball so that level of excitement is still there, but at the same point, reducing the injuries by reducing the speed up, or really, I guess, the ramp up of speed on that initial kickoff. So I really like this. I think it, it makes it exciting because you still get to see that elusiveness of kick returners. At the same point, you're reducing injuries as well. Anyone else thoughts on the kickoff? Like, I'm <laughs> super stoked about this kickoff. Yeah, I was just... So is can they do an onside kick? 
Oh, that's a great question. Uh, uh, they do an onside kick like it. I think it's a. It basically becomes a fourth and twelve type situation or something to that effect. They run a play basically. If a team so, wishes to run an onside kick, it must indicate this to the official before the play, and the two teams will be permitted to line up using traditional NFL rules, which is ten yards apart from the kicking team. There will be no surprise onside kicks. Oh, I, I thought there and was so a play. You, okay. So you have to. Um, you have to kick the ball in the air, so you can't like squib it forty yards. Correct. Like I would just line drive it, like so that it would just so that it would just get. I'd figure out how. I mean, most kickers are trying to loft in the air as high as possible, but I would try to squib it so that it's still past the twenty or whatever. But it's like hitting the twenty, and then you know the guy has to figure out how to get it on the bounce. I just think this is such an interesting approach. Like, if you look at both the NCAA and NFL, the idea with the whole kickoff changes is to reduce the injuries. And in doing that, they're hoping for more touchback opportunities, which we're getting. Mm -hmm. At the same point as viewers, it's a lot less exciting to watch. We no longer have those Reggie Bush runbacks. No longer, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, the guy from Chicago and Atlanta before that. Devin Hester. Like, those were so much fun to watch. But again, then you end up with injuries like we saw with Everett on the Bills. So there's all different changes to it. I just I really like the XFL's approach to this, where they still want the exciting for fans, but also player safety is top notch. It's smart. I mean, I I don't doubt you there. It's smart, and I think it um, definitely reduces the number of contact head injuries. I'm hoping they do more kickoffs. Yes, because kickoff returns are one of the best things I think in in the NFL. It's one of the one of the craziest things to occur. Um, a guy who somehow goes through 22 people all the way to the end zone for 100 yards is is one of the coolest plays, um, hands down, I feel like. And so if they can get more people to do that, they, I mean, I feel like as a special teams coordinator, you have a much better chance of doing that now because you can set blocks a little bit. Um, you can figure out how to you know set blocks in certain ways. Um, and if you got a guy who has legs, you can definitely run. Um, he's got some speed, not legs, but speed. Um, then you're definitely going to have a better chance of scoring. I definitely liked seeing. Hopefully that's what the XFL is about. Go ahead. That's what hopefully the XFL is about is just scoring because with the extra point opportunities and the um, and with these new rules, I haven't seen too many scoring opportunities. So I'm I'm hoping I was hoping to see more scores, more offense. Do you guys understand the extra player thing? The extra player thing. What? Yeah, what are you talking I, about? For that? some reason, I feel like pe- like I've been hearing the announcers saying they can put an extra, like offense can put an extra man on the field. Maybe I'm just totally, totally just missing that part. Um, I don't see anything about that in here. Legal man downfield. Yeah, no, I don't see anything about an extra player. Okay, never mind. Okay, but you did mention the point after touchdown, and I think that's another cool thing to dive into here. I'm a little mixed on this one, actually. So after a touchdown, the team has the option of running a play from the 2, 5, or 10-yard line worth 1, 2, or 3 points, respectively. The team must run an offensive play, and no kicking plays are allowed. So no traditional NFL point after touchdown, pretty much the gimmicky kick this ball, and it's going to go in 99% of the time. This is allowing players to have the option or teams to have the option to pick how many points you want to go for as opposed to just the one or two that you have in the NFL that are very straightforward. 
this is giving you a one, two, or three option. But again, in choosing those higher points, you have to score from farther out in one play. If the defense is able to cause a turnover and return the ball to the opposing end zone, the resulting score is equal to the number of points the offense was attempting. That one I'm mixed on. Uh, I'm thinking if the defense finds a way to get the ball, whether it started on the 2, 5, or 10, I personally would make it three points for the defense. I know NFL, if you look at that in comparison, if it's a two-point conversion and they get it back, it's two. If it's a point after or point after touchdown, then it ends up as one point. But I feel like if a fat man has to run all the way down the field, give the boy three points. Yeah. No fat man's going to run 100 yards. If, if you're already going to play this rule, you might as well make it big. You want to reward those things. Yeah, I mean, I just I feel yeah, like imagine. three points. Maybe they just maybe they toyed with that and yeah. it just they just decided to keep it the same, like it is now. Or maybe that feedback. Yeah, I don't know. Get. I'm curious. Yeah, and that is one thing with the XFL. So if you guys don't know, you are able to give feedback as fans. So you're able to give them feedback as far as like what you think of the rule set. If you think any changes should happen broadcast wise, like that is all completely open. They're trying to listen to fan feedback. At least that's what they're advertising so that you can help build this league alongside them as well. Okay, this interview thing <laughs> of, like, trying to get a guy to, like, talk on the microphone after they, like, score, it just sounds – it just looks so stupid and <laughs> awkward. Like, I definitely – It felt awkward in the stadium, too. <laughs> oh, I bet. I mean, can you hear what they're trying to say in the stadium? Uh, we They put a few of them up on the big board, but most of them were just for the broadcast. But the couple they put up on the big board, I don't think those guys had media training at all. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I can see where they. Come. I don't expect them to say anything. They're playing the game. Their man, their mind is in the game. They're not like, oh man, I just totally scored that touchdown. Like, look at me, I'm such a boss. Like, they're they're totally. When you're playing a game, the last thing you want to do is try to think of like interview skills and try to think, oh, how am I gonna make a logical sentence when my mind is totally in the mental part of like making sure I score a touchdown or you know whatever it may be. So I. These interviews are very awkward, and they need to figure out how to change them because it just doesn't look good. <laughs> I'm, I think you just cut them out, if I'm being honest. like I feel like the comparison, like this thing in and of itself, the whole interview thing, comes from that WWE mindset. Like After whoever wins a match, they end up doing this little interview thing, and I feel like that's where they're trying to bring that WWE element into this, and I just I don't think it works as well. I'm I'm betting they'll they'll take some feedback from this first week and like what worked and what didn't and they'll definitely tweak some things. I doubt they're going to get rid of it completely, but they they may they may you know slim trim it down a little bit, save it for bigger plays, not just some of them seemed random like in the game that just ended, they were they talked to the punter after he punted and basically said, you know, why did you punt it that way and said, well, that's how coach told me to do it and I did it like exactly how I was asked. <laughs> and I was like, "What? Wh- why is this happening? You know, if yes. that had been a game-ending interception, sure, yes. let's interview the guy and see how he's feeling. But y- y- the punter did his job. Why Why are we talking to the punter? <laughs> uh, I kicked the ball yeah. downfield. Well, that's the other thing. Like you mentioned, like at the end of the game, if it's a game-winning interception or a game-securing interception, that's the end of a game, though. So I'm hoping, like, if they still want to do these player interviews, instead of putting them after a touchdown or after a play, I'd rather see them at the end of a quarter or something like that. I don't even want to see him at the end of the quarter. They just got to figure out how to, how these, how to get, like, don't do it directly after the touchdown. Like, get the microphone out of the guy's face. Let him do a cool celebration. Like, that's what I'd rather see than, oh, yeah, what'd you do there? Uh, I took the ball and I ran down the field. 
Oh, I like the celebration like, route. That's not a bad I, idea. I think if they want if they want to make creative, they better figure out some creative celebrations because that is what's gonna make that's what's gonna make ESPN. That's what's gonna make people catch on is figuring out how to celebrate a sack, a first down, uh, a touchdown, whatever it is. I mean, that is what people can kind of hold on to, and they can recreate those celebrations. But some of these, I mean. And maybe they're just so excited about the XFL. I think if they want to, if they want to make it more of an entertainment and make it stick in people's heads, it's like, wow, remember that celebration that guy did? That was crazy. Whatever it was. So I think that is the next. If they want to make it stick in people's heads, is having a celebration. So I don't know if they showed it on TV or if you guys watched the DC Defenders Seattle Dragons game, but at one point the DC Defenders got an interception and ran it back for a touchdown. The yes. whole defensive side ended up celebrating, and they ended up copying the celebration from the 49ers in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's funny. That was good times. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, I hope this is not foreshadowing of what's to come. <laughs> but <laughs> It was not. <laughs> but it was pretty fun, and I love the fact that players can celebrate. Again, you haven't seen a ton of those unique celebrations, but I like the fact going in that we know they're not going to be penalized for having celebrations like that. And. I, I feel like after watching the couple that I watched and all the highlights and everything, we're going to see more personality come out of players as this season goes on. And I think we're going to see a lot more scoring. You could definitely tell this week with every team that there's no film on any of these teams, like official film. Obviously there's highlights from their scrimmages with each other and stuff, but you know, you have to know a lot of those are more playing it safe. So they're really trying to get a feel for these teams now, like in reality. Um, and I think starting next week, even as the guys have filmed from this first week, we're going to start to see a lot more of those crazy plays and those those plays that are really going to work for teams to to make it a lot more exciting. You know, they they just they've got to get themselves into position to know what to do. And then specifically for this last game with the Renegades, you know, they, they ended up not having Landry Jones able to go where he had hurt his knee. They said he'd be ready to go next week, and he technically could have played today, but they would they decided just to play it safe and not play him. Um, so that offense was completely different without him out there. So I know next week at least Dallas should be a little more explosive uh, on offense, and I, I think everyone else are going to kind of, you know, uh, uncork and release, Wait, release the fury as it were. Was it Houston or Dallas? Renegades or Dallas? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, if you guys could pick a team, I'll pick all the way, go to the championship. Who are you who are you taking? I got to stick with the DC Defenders, baby. Sticking local. Finally, some Washington DC football that I can enjoy. Hmm. I mean, is it is the XFL team better than this than the Washington Racial Slayers? I'm not gonna say better, and I would say I would take the Redskins over the XFL as opposed to like straight up talent. But enjoyability to watch, I'm taking the DC Defenders. And probably happier players, too. <laughs> um, I'm I'm Julia. leaning towards Seattle, which I know they lost to Washington, but I like what they've got going on there, and there's also a guy from my college that plays for them, so I'm kind of biased in their direction. Uh, both those teams are... I mean, Seattle's terrible, but... You're terrible. DC's okay, yeah, gosh, I, I Tyler. Think, <laughs> it's been one I week. Think, <laughs> hey, and you get listen. Not I I feel like I can judge talent pretty well. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but toot, toot. I mean, one team I like who I think is going to go far is Houston. Um they destroyed the Houston this week too, didn't they? Rough Riders. 
And it wasn't the fact that they destroyed them. And maybe LA's that bad. The Wildcats, meow. But they're that, that bad. But PJ Walker, man, that guy, as long as he stays healthy, I feel like Houston's, Houston's got this in the bag. That guy knows how to throw the ball. He knows how to run with the ball. He is like – he is – I'm not saying he is Michael Vick, but he has that type of mentality of knows when to run, knows when to pass. Um, once again, yes, the first game, but if I put – ten, I would, if I could take McDermott's money, who still owes me, and put it on uh, – take I think the you mean your wife owes you over The Rough Riders, then uh, – I, I'm putting money on the Rough Riders. Do do you think PJ will get an NBA, an NFL offer coming into the season? No. Okay. Not. not not quite that good. Not that good, but he. I mean, he'll dominate. I think if he continues to have the success like he did last, this past weekend, I think he's he's gonna make a name for himself. Probably stay with the XFL, but he, I think he's just too small, and we'll see how he continues to to the other weeks. Yeah, it was. I was a little disappointed, like, and this is the one thing that could make the people lose interest in this league really quick, is teams like Tampa Bay, where their offense was just less than zero. You know, Andy, Mur- er- Andy Murray, wow, it's a tennis player. Aaron Murray throwing a couple interceptions and just not looking good. And maybe that was just all part of that first week, you know, jitters and unfamiliarity and all that kind of stuff. But nothing is going to make this league, like, go downhill faster than a team that's no fun to watch. There's only eight teams. So if one of them is bad, that's already 12% of the league. Okay, so another question for you guys. So we have eight teams. This is season one. The original XFL only lasted that single season, if I remember correctly. Do you see a season two? And if yes, do you see the league expanding to more teams? Just based on this first week, I absolutely see a season two. I think there's definitely a market for more football after the NFL season ends, but also there's a lot of guys who are on that NFL fringe that want a chance to play, and this is that perfect way for them to do it and have fun. Um, and I don't know if this that will ever be an official relationship between the NFL and the XFL, but they're clearly trying to play nice with each other as far as like guys being free to sign with the NFL if they get offers after the season ends um, and things like that. I, so I think a league where guys can play and develop to to go into the NFL is going to be a, a good thing. Um, so I definitely see a season two. I don't know that they'll expand in season two. Um, they may give it another year of just seeing how, how it goes. Um, maybe if they do expand, it'll just be a couple teams. But I could easily see, let's say this goes five years, being double the teams in, within five years. No, they got to keep the team small. They got to keep I, – I don't think you can branch out in five years and double the number of teams. I th- I feel like they have a contract of up to two years, so I think there will definitely be a second season um, with the money that they've invested and the the type of things they're trying to do. I, I can't see them expanding that fast. I mean, if we look at MLS, for example, yes, it's the only league, you know, major league soccer. Um, but – their farm teams have been slowly expanding, but that's after you know, twenty years, thirty years of being on the market. And so, I think you have to keep an even number of teams. You can't, you, you know, if you add teams, you have to have an even number. You can't have like the NHL right now, where they have, you know, 
30 in the Western Conference and 29 in the... Sorry, 30 in the Eastern Conference and 29 in the Western Conference. So I see them out after 2024. So my only counter to your MLS argument is just the fact that the popularity of American football is a lot greater than soccer here in the United States. So I, I feel like there's a chance a football league could expand faster than MLS. But logistically and everything, that's a very good comparison. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that's wrong, but there, I think there's a lot more people who would be excited about more football than there are about soccer. All, or maybe not as much as there used to be, but I still think the number is greater. No, logistically, you are 100% right. I mean, the viewership alone is more than 10 times what MLS pulls in. I think the other thing is a lot of kids, like at least working in youth football, a lot of people are looking for that next level and looking for that next step. I don't know what the XFL's rules are as far as like, do people have to graduate college or can they come straight out of high school? I think that's another big question mark as far as how expansion would grow. Um, The MLS also handicuffs itself in the way that it's doing the designated players. With each team only allowed to have three designated players, it really limits what owners can spend on outside talent. I think if we were able to splash the cash like in every other American sport, then it would grow a lot quicker with that international talent being infused in as well. So there's a lot of different things there. But as far as viewership and as far as youth players, I think the XFL has a good chance in that area. For me, the more question mark or the bigger question mark is sales. And so far, the XFL before kickoff has already outsold the AAF as far as ticket sales revenue. So that's pretty good, at least comparing to these other non-NFL football leagues. So it's on to a good start. I think it, it looks really good, especially with the seasonal time that it chose. It's not as exciting as the NFL if you look at pure viewership numbers or ticket sales as a raw number. But if you look at the timing that it falls right after the Super Bowl, allowing those people who are hungry for football to continue watching some sort of football, even if it isn't at the same level as the NFL is at the moment, I think this is another fresh look at football and another possible league for those young players to come into. Or, And this is a very big or. I don't know if this will ever be a thing, but if there was some way that they could buy out loan deals for NFL players, Again, I don't think you're going to get the Tom Brady's, the huge names like that, like a Drew Brees, for example, that comes to the XFL. But some of these lower-end players, like a third-string wide receiver or so, maybe instead of buying into the league completely, they'll be able to be loaned from NFL teams, and that could help the league grow as well. Okay, McDermott, was it packed? Oh, yeah. I think – so when I last looked, there were only eight tickets still for sale, and that was an hour before kickoff. Okay, there's a difference. Okay, whatever. Not, I'm not talking about tickets. I'm talking about in the stadium. And you said you went, right? Yeah, the stadium was packed, super packed. So I never saw it like where every seat was full, but okay. if you looked at the concourse compared to the seats, I don't know how they fit everyone. I feel like the red seats, there were always like there were so many red seats open. Uh, I was thinking yellow, but they might be red. Hmm. Yeah, they probably were red. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, you color pictures. Yeah, they are red. Yeah, 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 that upper echelon. But the other thing to keep in mind is just the concourse. The concourse was so full. Uh, I will say, funny story, there were a lot more men there than women. And at sporting events, what? that's usually no. a thing here in North America. Are you but serious? I have never seen a men's restroom line this long, and there was no one in the women's restroom okay, line. Okay, that is different. It was like I saw two to three women go through that restroom line the whole time. And the men's lines, and we went to two different bathrooms, and it was just at least 70 to 80 people in line before we even got to the door. Have you not so, been to a football game? <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you, go, I mean, Drew, when's the last NFL game you've been to? Uh, earlier this year. 
Yeah, I mean, isn't that pretty normal? I mean, there's, but no, there's, not from there is experience. definitely still usually a line at the ladies' room because just logistically, right. it's just how and it And the men's line is usually a lot quicker, at least in the NFL stadiums I've been to, because they have like the trough layout. Hmm. Like oh, with this great. one in particular, I think the biggest thing is the Audi field only has like four men's restrooms, I think. I think it's four and four. Uh, don't quote me on that, but as far as public restrooms, I think it's a much smaller number than you see with like a FedEx field, for example. Right, I could tell you're counting because... Uh, <laughs> I've been Jeez, to that stadium man. a lot. I feel like it's uh, four. No way. There's got to be more. I think there's one on each like quarter area, but I might be wrong. Someone, I was talking to someone, and he was like, there's only four. And I was counting in my head, and I think I only came up with four or five public ones for men. Hmm. Did you, did you, who'd you go with? I went with Mike Cassell. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was fun. It was good times. Okay, but a few more things, because we do got to wrap up this show here quickly. Point after touchdown. So... You have the ball. You're both going to be the coach in this situation. Right. There are zero points on the board. Drew, your team just scored a touchdown. Do you go for the one, two, or three-pointer, the two, five, or ten-yarder here at the front? Uh, probably the two, five yards. You know, one one yard, one point just seems too safe. Uh, ten might be a little too much. So go for, go for that one extra that's going to make them then have to try to go for one extra and make it a little harder on them. Tyler. As a five-time flag football champion in this position, <laughs> uh, where I could go for one, two, or three, um, I'm going for one. I mean, I'm getting the easy points. I'm getting it where I need it. You know, I'm, I'm making my life easy. And so there's a go-to play when it comes to the one-point conversion. There's a there, there's not really a go-to play to the five to the two-point. I mean, we never really practice it because we were probably. 70 80 percent on the one point and so it didn't we didn't need to go two or or uh 10 yard, three points whatever it was two mm-hmm. or three points on it so i mean i go with the easy points when when it's the fourth quarter situation then you know you pull out your play that you've been practicing over and over and over again for the five ten yard but gosh it just looks so bad when teams are going for a five, for a two point or even a, i mean i don't think i saw anyone go for a three point but just a two point and just utterly fail yeah. and it's like gosh dang man you gotta have a play that just like yeah we got this in the bag so one point wow okay i think i would lean drew's way i would probably go for the five yard two pointer i would even consider the 10 i feel like a lot of what i saw at least from the example i've seen on tv as well as the game i went to in person the running up the middle was just not working on a lot of the one point plays so I think spread it out, maybe make some of those tight ends or some out routes to running backs, make it available at that five-yard play. But I don't know. I think for the first one, I'd go five, but I would highly consider 10 multiple times. Okay, we talked about this a bit last week, the double forward pass. There were some cool highlights from this past weekend, the first week of games. Go ahead and check those out, guys. Uh, the DC defenders definitely had a highlight reel as far as those go. It's very fun. I think it adds a new aspect to the game where defenses can't only run one scheme. They have to change things up as they go. Another thing, Drew, I know you wanted to talk about this, the way they handle the microphones inside the helmets. But just, I, I love that, one, that they, they're they able to communicate like they do instead of having to do signs or uh, the idea that they can't hear them or whatever. I love that the quarterback and all the position players can hear the radio from the, the play caller because it's just going to make for more exciting plays. You're going to see guys doing what they're supposed to do. It's going to make stuff happen. I love that we get to hear that while we're watching the game. We actually get to hear that communication. 
Um, and then this came up in this last game, and I thought this was really interesting too. Um, the offensive coordinator's headset was no longer going to the quarterback and skills players. It was only going to the head coach. So it was having to go to the head coach who would then relay it to the guys on the field. And because their offensive coordinator's headset wasn't working, the other team had to do the same thing. It's not like in the NFL where it's like, oh, your equipment's malfunctioning. That sucks. And the other team gets to keep using their stuff. Uh, the other team has to then do it the same way or some different way, but they have to pretend like they have that same limitation. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. But I just like hearing the coach speak and the players talking to each other and the direction and the directing. Um, on top of just the fun and the access, I think it's another one of those things that's going to help guys maybe catch some attention for the NFL because they're going to get to see the communication and that leadership literally like on the field. It's not going to be imagined or guessed at. You can actually see and hear it happening. Uh, and then also I like that the officials are mic'd up and we can hear them. Like when they're reviewing plays, you can actually hear them talking to each other and their rationale and what decisions they're making. Uh, I just, I just love the additional communication all around. I think it's pretty darn awesome. Last but not least, the last rule we're going to touch on this week is the up-tempo game clock. I think this is one of the biggest game changers, and again, it kind of speaks for itself. Outside of the final two minutes of each half, when a play ends out of bounds or an incompletion happens, the game clock continues on as normal. So the XFL, in comparison to the NFL or college, they are not stopping when the ball goes out of bounds. They are not stopping on incomplete passes. The game clock, in and of itself, continues to run. The big thing behind this is they want continued action, but they want to make games shorter as well. So they're aiming for about a three hour per game. But on top of that, they're hoping to keep the excitement and the energy continuing to go as well with this shortened clock. I don't know how this worked for the broadcast as I haven't really noticed it too much um, on the broadcast side. In person, there was very little like action happening between. I feel like when I've been to NFL games, there's a whole lot of pauses for commercial breaks and then the clock gets stopped and then they end up taking that into a commercial break and then dancers come on the field or a little <laughs> contest happens here and there. And there was very little of that. Like there were a couple contests. I think there were dancers at halftime, but other than that, there really wasn't a ton of stoppage of play. So I don't know how the broadcast worked. Um, if any of that was recorded and then rolled into, but as far as at the game itself, it felt like it just kept moving. There was constant action. There was constantly things to be interested in. So I loved it. I mean, do you guys have thoughts on the up-tempo game clock? Do you think it's going to make games go too quickly? Do you think it rushes players too much, especially players that might not be in the same shape as an NFL player? What are your thoughts on this? No, I like it. I, I think that's one of the biggest complaints about um, well, football and baseball both is that it just seems slow at times. And I love NFL, and I never want those games to end. But at the same time, I, I don't want those games to drag and there's been plenty of evenings where I've gone to bed because so many breaks, like you're talking about, where it just drags on and on. And I'm just like, never mind, I need sleep. And so I like the idea of the games just running faster. I don't, I don't see it as a problem at all. I think it just, it's going to shape the mindsets of, of players and coaches, and they'll adapt to it, and I think it's going to be fine. Tyler, any final thoughts? Where's my money? Huh. Your wife has your money. Uh, guys, just to run through the scores, D.C. Defenders won their first game 31-19 over Seattle Dragons. The Houston Roughnecks 37 over the L.A. Wildcats. Rough Riders. Roughnecks. Roughnecks, buddy. Is it Roughnecks? Yeah, Houston Roughnecks 37-17 over the L.A. Wildcats. Tampa Bay Vipers lost to the New York Guardians 3-23. And then, like Drew said, the Dallas Renegades favored in the matchup. They did lose with their quarterback on the IR, or at least not playing in that game. 
They lost to the St. Louis Battlehawks 15 to 9. That will do it for this episode of Come At Me, Bro. If you have thoughts on the XFL, if you have thoughts on the final finish of Duke UNC and any rivalries in college basketball or the pro scene, go ahead and let us know. You can do so on Twitter at CAMB Podcast. You can also shoot us an email, CAMB Podcast at OTNmedia.org. Last but not least, if you'd like to support the show and what we do here at OTN, head on over to Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash OTN. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next week. That is the worst name, Roughnecks.